This is Ambassador Lyndon Olson in Waco, Texas. Welcome to the Tribcast. Tribcast, I want you to know, is a huge hit in Sweden, and we hope you enjoy Reeve. Here he is. Thank you. This is reporter Reeve Hamilton with the Tribcast for the second week of August. I'm joined by Editor-in-Chief and CEO Evan Smith. Hello. I think you should now have only intros from former ambassadors. We're working on it. With the Tribune Festival, there what are about current three ambassadors? former ambassadors. Oh, now he's on an advertising kick. Which I countries? Am. Hashtag ad. <laughs> Mexico. Never heard of it. Uh, Qatar. <laughs> Who's in I've Qatar? been there. Chase Antemar. Oh. And um, the U.S. trade representative, which is not really a country, but is technically an ambassador. Ron Kirk. Ron Kirk. Tony Garza, Chase Antemar, Ron Kirk. Well, if, if the listenership of the Tribcast in those countries ever, ever rivals what it is in Sweden, then we will be sure to... Uh, Live you know, stream have them. Right. We've had Tony uh, Tony Garza do it. Well, <laughs> Todd made a Zeppo Marks like hand motion because he can't speak that indicated that that's true. So. All right, confirmed. All right, we also have editor Emily Ramshaw. Speaking of Swedes, speaking of Swedes, I'm gonna do my best to allow my stomach to not growl throughout this entire podcast. That sorry was Terry about, Langford. Sorry stomach. about last. That week. was Terry Langford entirely. That was next. Time. That was a bonus for the listeners. It's true. It was like our fourth. Our fifth it was panelist. Like second intro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We also have reporter Jim Malowitz here. Howdy. You, you, you can let your stomach do whatever you want. All right, cool. Yeah. You know. he's, he's so nice. <laughs> he's really he's, the, it's almost as if he's Swedish. He's really the Swede. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly right. Are you Swedish? Emily? What? No. Oh, that was a joke. She's okay. blonde. <laughs> yes. I mean... No, I get those two things confused I as well. I have German and British roots. Okay, <laughs> let's all go around. <laughs> Jim's no. a redhead. Irish? Uh, a little Irish. Surprisingly, a quarter Italian. From the Republic of Ginger. <laughs> okay, well, anyway, let's talk about the latest news on my beat, I suppose. I mean, the, the big news this week is that the Transparency Committee finally took some action on University of Texas system Regent Wallace Hall. And the action, I mean, it's it's not no action, but it's not sort of... The a action. huge game changer. They, well, he's not leaving the Board of Regents. The kid stays in the picture. Right. right? He, That's it. He voted. They voted to censure him, admonish and censure him, which is just a public shaming, more or less. <laughs> Hasn't this whole process been a public <laughs> shaming? I mean, what's the censure do that's different than the rest of this? Well, what it actually does in the motion to censure, the two big things really are that they assign Trey Martinez-Fisher, who's a state rep from San Antonio, Democrat, and Lyle Larson, who is all that same stuff except a Republican, to monitor the system and they have pretty stout powers to go in there and dig up whatever they want they can they're supposed to get monthly reports from the system so they'll be watching them fairly closely and also the motion calls for or recommends that the system pick up the tab for their investigation of Wallace Hall so that tab is about half a million dollars. The, the Roughly the tab? cost of that yeah. big building they were going to build yeah. downtown they, the system, right? They is the UT system. So, yeah. so they're saying, UT system, why don't you pay us half a million bucks to make up for this investigation you forced us to do of your regent who we think well, wait was incompetent. But did the UT system force them to do the invest? I mean, they did the investigation on their own volition, right? How is it fair that they – I mean, it's like asking in, the, in court to pay for my legal fees. 
Yeah, more or less. Which, which in some legal uh, instances, isn't it true that if you sue somebody and you lose, lose your pay, is right? Yeah, but isn't that... who lost? I mean, if it's a censure, nobody really lost. Well, they concluded that he, the committee, a majority of the committee voted that he was incompetent and Wallace you know, Hall guilty of won. misconduct. Yeah, I mean, no in one, my... you know, who lost? Not Wallace Hall lost. Wallace Hall won. Wallace Hall wins. Wallace Hall remains on the Board of Regents. Wallace Hall is not going to be in any way moved to behave differently one iota from the way he did previously. That not that right? He got a big public statement from Rick Perry saying he did exactly what he was supposed to be doing. I mean, I, I don't see how you can regard this verdict as anything other than a victory for Wallace Hall. Well, uh, Dan Flynn, who's the co-chairman of the committee, Republican from Van said that, well, you know, he's going to carry this with him for the rest of his life, this censure. Of course, you know, he's sort of a – Wallace Hall is self-employed, so I don't know if it really matters. Yeah, he's not what? applying I mean, for too many jobs. But I don't think you know, Wallace Hall gives but, a crap about Representative Flynn or anybody else. Or it, might be a, it might be a line in his obit. Hmm. <laughs> Guy got yeah, censured. Right. First sitting regent to get censured. So he has a, he's a little footnote in history now. So a censure is what, basically, like one strike or something, you know? Or well, so a, they're not – and the thing is they're not taking impeachment off the table. They're just holding it in abeyance, pending Censure sounds like things. medicine you take if you have stomach problems, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, how, why, what do you think Emily took before this podcast? Did she take – No, a, I actually a, just a, ate a bagel. A, a heaping helping of censure? <laughs> also a solution. Yeah. No, I, I mean I – It look, goes in his file? I think the I interesting mean. question here is the next time Wallace Hall pursues an open records request, what will be the response from the UT side? So we've been through this whole dance. Wallace Hall's been censured. I sort of hope he does. But I I think Wallace Hall has basically said, and his side has basically said, onward, right? Mm -hmm. They're going to continue down the path. They think this is a validation of their motives, whether their their tactics have been validated. The motives have not been at issue really. I mean, they think this is all – I think that he continues to file open records requests and pursue the – Cause of he just requests so, open records requests are sort of different from what he does. He does regental requests. He's also done open records but, requests. But, but, I th- but I th- whether it's open record or regental or what have you, I think that he does not change my s- no. Of course, he, hasn't, he does not change his behavior one bit. No, well, it's, does, uh, it's quite a suspicion considering he's never changed his behavior. Does, so I mean, it's uh, obvious. Does suspicion UT confirmed. System, does the UT system just pay the bill and get this over with, or will the UT system fight the this bill? The chairman said he didn't think it was fair, and I think the recommendation that they pay the bill has to go through a few steps mm-hmm. over on the legislative side first. Was that an overwhelming um, recommendation? Recommendation from the committee, or just you know, it's part of the motion that they voted on. It passed six to one. Six to one, and the one in this case was Charles. I was just guessing was Charles Perry. Yes, uh, you know, if I I bet the UT system fights that pretty hard. That's a lot of money. I would imagine they're already on the hook. Admiral McRaven gets in there. He's going to arrange for everybody on the committee to be shot in the face. Right? Is that what it is? Well, you know, it's uh, you know the (laughs) supposedly the damage. You know, Bill Powers testified that he thinks that this whole controversy and stuff and. Has, has basically done about a million dollars worth of damage to the university. Tangible dollars, meaning lost wages or spent I money mean, on things or what? That? He didn't well, specify, but lost the, the legal fees, especially if the system has to pick them up, are, are going to get up to around a million dollars. The So five hundred grand for the special counsel to the um, committee, and then the UT system, for some reason, hired outside lawyers to help to assist them in this whole process, even though... They have their own lawyers. That's not never been exactly clear, but they hired outside lawyers and they paid those lawyers more than three hundred grand. I thought the rationale for that, if I'm remembering some long ago story or conversation about this, was that the UT lawyers were seen to be too much in the tank for UT institutionally, 
and that the people who were mandating the investigation were concerned that they could not – it was like the fox guard in the hen house, even though the system and the university itself are different entities – and that they wanted to have outside people to be sure that there was not – weren't they unhappy with the original look into the law school foundation? No, that's a totally different thing. So it's not the case that they brought in outside lawyers because they didn't trust the inside lawyers? So you're saying that the system brought in outside I'm, lawyers because they didn't trust themselves? I'm, I'm asking if the people who mandated I think the they, I think they saw uh, the committee flex their muscles by hiring Rusty Harden, so they hired Philip Hilder. It was like, yeah. you got your big-time lawyer, we got our big-time lawyer. We big got our big-time lawyer. lawyer, fine. Yeah, and then the only uh, people who win in that case are the lawyers because right. they got big billable hours. Uh, so – Who's paying Rusty Harden's bills? Well, that's the that's thing. what we're talking that's about. That's what we're talking that's about. That's the five hundred grand. So, so that, that so that's so, so, but initially the plan from the committee's perspective. So was far, that, so far the uh, legislative council has been paying that. That's my point. So and the legislative council has been paying them. it up to this point. And the committee wants right. you, the UT system to reimburse. Thank them. you. Yes. And if the legislative council ends up paying for it and UT system does not. We pay for it. We as taxpayers pay for it. Well, we as taxpayers pay for it either way. Even if the system does. I wonder what Rick Perry would think about this. Who should pay for it? You should ask him. It's yeah. From a taxpayer point of view, it doesn't make a huge difference. It's just who gets to who get which which sector of the government gets to lose the money. So and and if the system has to pay the bills, are they going to then say, hey, we need more money because we had to pay the pay the bills? No, because the ones that would be giving them the money are the ones that uh, are demanding that they pay the bill. No, I mean, right, right. That's what I'm wondering. But like, Jim's, are, Jim's point is, are they going to say like say, we don't have money to do these other hey, things now? We now. Can't. I mean, or is it just too small of a sum to to really? Have, well, that gets that. into the whole issue of they're spending their uh, oil and gas money like crazy. So uh, what a they have transition to the energy reporter. Is that what you were doing? No, not at all. It was just God. Was that was the best non-transition you ever did. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to keep talking about that. But so they have money. I mean, they have money to spend. They have, sure. but they've been spending it. They have been spending it pretty enthusiastically. So. Enthusiastic spenders. Yeah. You know, another— Kind of like you and your travel budget. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Another, another interesting thing I will say about <laughs> to the— To be clear, it's Evan's travel budget that's taking me over the limit. This is, this is you going back and forth to your homeland in Sweden. Uh, right, exactly. <laughs> exactly, the ambassadors. <laughs> it's Evan's junkets. Expensive travel plans. I just thought, I thought one thing that was interesting about the motion to center hall was that the committee basically took the logic that was used to push powers out— um, so, uh, Chancellor Sigueroa, when he, back in July said, you know, you got to either agree to resign or we're going to, we're going to push you out. He ultimately ended up agreeing to resign next year in June, yep. which speaks to your whole thing about Hall and Cranberg are going to keep going. Like the end of the road for them is already in the mirror. I mean, it's, you know, you can see it on the horizon is June, 2015. So, you know, I don't know how much further they really need to push this, but the logic there that Sigueroa used was like, look. By on fundraising, on all this stuff, on the metrics, uh, Powers hasn't really done anything wrong. Everything's going fine. But personality-wise, he's just so hard to work with that we need him to go. The committee took that and said, well, if that is reason enough to push Powers out, then that is why we will push Hall out. So the board hasn't done anything sort of horrible in terms of their management of the system statewide. But his personality is so bad that he has to go. But it didn't happen. Uh, no, but they withhold the right to make it happen if they want. Well, but the the difference the difference though I think between right. the Powers and Hall situations you may disagree with this. This is my point of view is that Powers is uh, that's the committee's point of view. Well, but Powers conveying Powers' decision to resign next June does not mean that the next nine months are going to be bonbons and cherry blossoms for him. 
No, you would hope it would be much nicer than just bonbons and cherry blossoms. Well, I, I think that, that ta- I, I don't great. think that Powers is now out of the out of the 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 line of fire necessarily for the next nine or whatever number. No, of neither is Hall. You well, know. no, but the mechanism for Hall to have trouble made for him, I suspect, is much less and much different than for Powers. I don't think yeah. – I, I think I don't think Powers is off the hook. I do think Hall is effectively – that's why I say I think it's a victory for him. I well, think it depends on – I mean the Travis County prosecutors are still investigating him and that's still out there. And if they come back with an indictment or something, you know, then it's very likely that the committee will come back with, oh, maybe right. we should do it. Which, by the way, maybe one reason why we're not likely to see Wallace Hall out in public talking about this anytime soon because right. there is an active investigation out of the DA's office. Going. And because Wallace Hall doesn't like to talk in public. Well, but I think – my, my – Suspicion is that Wallace Hall would like nothing more than the opportunity to rail against the system and yeah, to talk think, openly th- about this stuff. I think Regent Hall would like that to be your impression, but I think that he's very end, unlikely he's... to actually talk in public about this stuff because he's been saying he wants to talk about it in public for years and hasn't. Yeah, but he's been – I mean this has been going on with legal This has been going on for one year. He's been the subject of controversy for multiple years. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Regent Hall has a standing invitation from the Tribune. We will bring an event to him, meet him any place, any time, out in public, and give him the opportunity to tell his side when legal circumstances. Which we have done. Once. Yeah. Could but he do last, a, last, he, Well, he did the Tribune Festival last yeah. year. You were still back in the cornfield wherever you were last year at this time. Oh, no. I, I was at the You thing. were here. Okay. <laughs> yeah. you I've should been here to, literally the whole time. You should have come to that panel instead of yeah. standing in the cornfield. He should do like an open <laughs> records panel or something like that. Actually, he knows a lot about it. Well, him. we do yeah, have an open records panel records. actually at the festival this year, yeah. hashtag ad. But uh, Dan Charphorn, who's the vice chancellor over mm-hmm. what? The, the general, UT system. General, general counsel. The one he said you didn't – the one you said they didn't trust. General counsel. Yeah. yeah. He's on that panel but not Wallace Hall. Um, so anyway, stay tuned. I mean that's just – yeah. It, it's going to – it's not enough of a change in direction I think to stop things from continuing to be rocky. I think you're right. Powers could is still on the hook and Hall is still on the hook for – you know, there are multiple investigations. There's also the admissions investigation of UT Austin to see if their admissions are on the up and up, which really got going for serious this week. But while we're talking about the legislature, why don't we talk about someone who's trying to make some moves over there, Lois Kolkhoist. Kind of a weak transition, actually. Yeah. So, well, so, you know, uh, so uh, Lois well, Col- that doesn't work for her. Let me sort of do the <laughs> She's Reeve. She's our next topic. Let me do the Reeve elected officials directory obligation here. You know, Lois Kolkhoist, Republican from Brenham. That's what you make me do, right? So we have to say yes. who they are. Mm-hmm. Who is currently the chair of the Public Health Committee of the House. Correct. Uh, longtime uh, member of the legislature, uh, conservative, uh, was thought to be eyeing uh, Glenn Hager's Senate seat should Glenn Hager win the Comptroller's office. And one bit of, uh, of question around Hager and his, you know, look, the Republicans are all favored to win in the fall. And so let's assume Hager wins. Hager resigns his seat sometime after the election, even immediately, 1201 on the day after the election. There's going to be a period of time by statute before a special election can take place. And so there's a question as to whether that district would be represented on the day that the session gavels in. My sense is that it would not be if Hager waited to resign until after the election. So, And Hager has indicated he has no intention of resigning right now. So there is no seat to run for yet. Colcourse was talked about as a potential replacement to Hager if Hager were to go. There are others who were talking about running for that race. And in fact, there are a couple mm-hmm. of other people who have indicated that they want to run. Colcourse has gone ahead and announced basically for that seat. You know, now she's been re- respectful enough of the circumstances to couch it as a conditional. You know, should Glenn Hager's seat become available, I'm running. But she's got kind of a campaign apparatus in place. And as we sit here on Wednesday the 13th, yesterday the 12th, she was, I believe, out formalizing that quasi announcement for that seat. 
And her campaign cash is almost as much as they've paid for the Wallace Hall investigation. It's tons of money. She has a lot of money. Um, and she has a big brand. And in some ways, what she's doing, you know, Jim's an old baseball player. Um, oh, this is a, not old. <laughs> well, a form- I mean, I'm in an old man's league right and, now. And so. pr- Listeners are learning so. so much about Jim's about now, it's, this is exactly hair right. and his past. I had been an enigma. He also plays, he's no longer he also plays the saxophone, in case you're he's, wondering. He's, a, he's kind of a renaissance I, I, I do man. things. Yes. He does so, things. Didn't so, you just get a dog? I did. Yeah. yeah. There you go. No, another all, fact about all me. All good. Yeah. <laughs> he does a it, – it's a brushback pitch. In baseball terms, that she's throwing, uh, uh, and and other people would presumably be scared out of a race in which they knew Lois Colquhorst with her big brand and her big bank account were were running. I mean, she has a, a name, and she has money, and those two things are invaluable in a case like this. So, in terms of etiquette, though, I mean, how often does this happen when someone basically announces before the seat is open? I think they want to keep other people out of a race, and I think I think you know you could regard it as gauche that she's presuming. That something is going to happen. Mike Collier's probably going, hello, Democratic nominee they hasn't put, been decided a, yet. They put out a statement yesterday. Yeah, but, let, but let's talk about what the implication of this is for the Senate because we get into the next legislative session and we're looking at an extraordinarily conservative Senate even by conventional standards, by modern standards. The last Senate was extremely conservative and passed extremely conservative legislation. But this Senate is going to have with the addition of Van Taylor and Paul Betancourt – Lois Colcourst, potentially Charles Perry, if Charles Perry were, were to win that, not anyway That's decided. Robert Duncan's, seat. Robert Duncan's old seat. Um, you've got a ton of people coming into the Senate. Uh, Brandon Creighton, who just won the special election for uh, for Tommy Williams' old seat. You have a ton of people coming in who are really conservative, even by again conventional standards. That Senate is going to be probably the most conservative. I would say, arguably, certainly the most conservative Senate in, in, in Texas history. With, if Dan Patrick were to win the lieutenant governor's office, somebody at the top only too happy to facilitate the bringing up and passage of legislation that the conservatives have been licking their chops about for years. Now, it's arguable whether the House will meet the Senate halfway in terms of that stuff. The, the House is, you know, there'll be some, a few more conservatives in the House. You know, Jonathan Stickland is not exactly coming back and bringing a ton of friends. He's coming back and bringing some friends per his prediction before the last election cycle. Um, so there'll be a couple more members of the Tea Party caucus in the House. But at the end of the day, barring something unforeseen, Strauss becomes Speaker again. And the cast of the House is conservative, but not as conservative as the cast of the Senate. And so you're going to have this tension between the House and the Senate again over whether the House is adequately conservative in the eyes of senators and will the House carry the same kinds of legislation that the Senate carries. So the 84th is shaping up to be really interesting. And I think the eyes, all eyes will be logically on the Senate to see what that – I count 18 uh, people uh, in that very conservative camp kind of likely to vote as a block. Uh, And that's one short of the 60 percent that we assume will be the new threshold in the Dan Patrick, if he would win, Dan Patrick-led Senate for bringing stuff up. So pretty, you know, pretty fascinating. And, Cole, and to kind of breadcrumb this back, Cole Korst is a piece of that puzzle. If she is to get in there, she's the one, then she'll be part of that 18. And Who else has come out and said that they want to run for that seat? There's a mayor uh, who's who's announced, you know, uh, there, there was some discussion around Alan Fletcher getting in that race, but he doesn't really live in the district. Zerwas, uh, I heard Jeannie Morrison's uh-huh. name at one point, but everybody else has fallen away. There is one individual. Ross had said all along he thought that there was an, uh, an opportunity potentially for Deborah Medina to get in that race. 
presumably then we would put out a poll showing her significantly ahead. Yeah. <laughs> As we're um, apt to do. Right. Uh, but I'm, I'm assured that that's not going to happen. And so I think that it's, you know, effectively this is Colcourt's right now to uh, to to lose. Or maybe I would say that Colcourt is the best known candidate of the group and stands the best chance given the built-in advantages she has of, of, of putting this thing away early. We'll see. Well, it's sort of ahead of the coming conservative wave, you would think that uh... – and we're already starting to see some policy proposals that might fall you might suspect would fall into line with that, although this proposal to have alcohol sales at gun shows is getting some pushback actually from the gun pro gun is that even side. an ideological issue you think it it's really not i mean what's fascinating so what happened this past week was that uh the Texas Alcoholic Beverage Commission which which oversees alcohol licensing basically came out with a proposal a rule change that they said would allow the sales of alcohol at gun shows to which i think there which was which everyone said finally yeah i think there was a great expectation that the gun lobby would be you know overjoyed by this and that maybe they were actually behind this effort and what has happened in, in sort of a strange turn of events is that the gun lobby has come out and said, you know, we oppose this change. The rules are written in a way that are really going to create um, major problems for us. You know, the rules include that guns uh, at gun shows of alcohol served, the gun has to be disabled, no live ammunition, that it could only happen in facilities owned or leased by a government or nonprofit. Basically, they looked at these rules and said, there were some, there are a lot of unintended consequences, including that you know if we were to have a fundraiser uh, in a hotel ballroom and you know raffle off a gun, uh, that we wouldn't be able to do it. That was their interpretation of this. They've also come out and said, you know, we're not really sure who put this forward because we don't even really feel like we need alcohol or want alcohol. Because they pregame before going to the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Parking lot for sure. Yeah. So it's been a fascinating – I think the story first came out and everybody thought, oh, Texas, trying to have alcohol at right. gun shows. Got a lot of national press. The right. the. Taiwanese animators that like to do sort of goofy animations of news stories did a big thing of, like, fat Texans just getting wasted at gun, gun shows, shows. And, and then uh, shooting each other. Right. But, you know, it's interesting. Apparently it was just one individual gun show that had approached the uh, the TABC about changing these rules, and the rest of the gun lobby and the NRA and the Texas State Rifle Association said, you know, the way these are written is terrible, and this isn't even a priority for us. But, of course, that pushback probably won't get the same national attention as uh, of course not right uh, as the Making first round Texans look so yeah. rational yeah. You know? yeah. right uh, so I think that uh, probably at the end of the day those rules will go just about nowhere although there are some possibilities that some language could change to um, to appease them so is, is it open to a commenting period right now? Is it that is. The deal? It is. Yeah. It's open. There's a 30-day commenting period, and also they're going to have to change. They, the TABC did acknowledge they made some some uh, mistakes in the drafting of the text that they would have to change. Well, part of it, right? If you if you're selling alcohol, the guns have to be completely dismantled, and so they say disabled. And the gun lobby says what that has come to mean, you know, like in the court system, is basically totally taken apart, which they say uh, harms their ability to um, make sales. Yeah, it doesn't make for the doesn't make for a great show, right? Exactly. Here's your piece of a gun. Here's your piece of a gun. Could you right. under the current rules? Could you walk in with a um, with, with with well, or it's open? Oh, open carry is not not allowed right now. Right. Uh, correct. But and there yeah. was some concern among the gun lobby that this may actually prevent people from carrying concealed handguns okay. into certain events where yeah. alcohol was being sold and um the TABC says that was not their intent at all with the language of the legislation or of the rule change. Being hammered when you walk into a gun show, that's legal. I mean, n- unless someone's given you a breathalyzer at the door, which right. is not happening. So, 
Yes, Evan, feel free from here, yeah. <laughs> from here on out. You're just planning your afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I've been sitting here quietly drinking. So. <laughs> right. See you at the gun show, Reeve. Right. Yeah. Uh, Jim, what have you been working on this week? Uh, I've, been, I've been working on <laughs> things. For a I've, I've, been, I've been hanging out with my dog and, and, uh, <laughs> combing, exactly. and, and combing my red hair. And his so. hair. Um, but, uh, He's a good sport, I have to say. Uh, Kate but, uh, Galbraith was not Anywhere much as much it was a good. Also sport. a redhead though. About the ginger. Kate, Kate Galbraith was not. Really oh, she's Kate Galbraith, redhead. comma former Texas Tribune. I would definitely. I, I would count her in in Ginger Nation you for would? sure. Yeah, yeah. she's she's got some. Can you drink there? Ginger in Ginger Nation, Nation yeah. of course you have to drink. Yeah, we, we, we have a <laughs> no concealed handgun. We have a very high alcohol tolerance. You pass by a mirror and you go, I'm a ginger. Crap, drink. <laughs> Oh, that was me. Evan, you always, you always mean, take it so just what, a step too far. I always go that much. What color is your hair? Don't you have a redheaded kid? Close? <laughs> or do I have a redheaded <laughs> step? Yeah. 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 I hope Julia's not listening to this one. I mean, <laughs> not my family. <laughs> Air quotes. Air. <laughs> exactly. Uh, um, so <laughs> so I, I, I cover energy. Um and uh, kind, of, kind of the big story uh, on my beat right now that I'm, I'm, I'm is working Evan's illegitimate child. <laughs> is yeah, seriously yeah. breaking news oh right my here. God, the, the one that he knows about. Yes, yeah, so. yeah. but uh, but yeah. So the railroad commission uh, yesterday proposed uh, new rules uh, regarding disposal wells um, in, and that was uh, in response to the spate of earthquakes that uh, were going on in, in North Texas, which was kind of a big story um, at the time. Things have kind of cooled down, but there's there's still um, there's a, a house subcommittee and and. Uh, on a size, uh, it's the basically earthquake subcommittee that, that's been meeting and talking about things. And um, these earthquakes that uh, there've been like thirty or so in North Texas um, in the past uh, five six months, and so it's really concerned folks. People are buying earthquake insurance, and so uh, they're pressing the railroad commission to propose new rules that would. Um, at least address this in some way, and, and we're, we're kind of in an uncharted territory here. But the Railroad Commission uh, has basically put out these this proposal that would um, require some uh, some study of, of regions where these disposal wells, where you inject the, the fracking waste, um, would be um, some like uh, t- taking a look at uh, what's going on under the ground. Like, are you um, going to be um, injecting waste near near plates and things like that, and could cause slippage? Um, and it, there, there also there's also a mechanism in the rules where the railroad commission could, you know, if there are earthquakes around a disposal well, um, they could um, uh, basically initiate a hearing um, and uh, uh, discuss whether that disposal well should be shut down. Which, which I was actually kind of surprised. About. I'm still trying to learn a little bit about a few things, but I was surprised they didn't have that power already. Um, so, so, in the, in the legislature, if you turn something into a study, that basically means like let's we're just not actually going to deal with this for a while. Right, right. So, so the the legislature has been studying it right now, and the railroad commission has has also um, hired a seismologist who's who's studying the issue. Um, these rules um, are more related to um, actually what the the drillers of these wells themselves, the, the operators, are are required to do. So, the operators are are required to, or under these rules, would be required to kind of do, do a study um, of the seismology uh, around where where they're drilling in this like zone of influence they they call it, and, and and uh, would have to report that information, so we'd have it, you know, on file and, and, and things like that. Does this does this at all suggest that the railroad commission is coming around to uh, the notion that fracking may have something to do with these earthquakes? Because that seems to be the this is a very simplistic some summary of the argument. Seems to be before fracking, no earthquakes. Fracking, now we have earthquakes. Sure, and, and we do have to distinguish. Um, there, there are some 
discussion about whether fracking itself, the the actually you know uh, blasting apart the the rock uh, after drilling the well, whether it causes earthquakes. There's there's some evidence that that it might. This is talking about the disposal of the the waste afterwards, and okay. and there's been probably 50, 60 years worth of evidence that that there is some link, and then and this. Um, could could cause an earthquake. So the Railroad Commission is definitely coming around on on that side. I mean, they've said for for years that that they didn't see any connection, but it's kind of clear that since they're they're hiring a seismologist to look at it, and now they're proposing these rules, which environmentalists say wouldn't go far enough. They're open for commenting right now. Um, it, it definitely seems like they're starting to acknowledge, at the very least, that people are concerned about it. So it what, and yet, yesterday, the other bit of news that happened on your beat and the specific portion of your beat related to the Railroad Commission is that Christy Craddock, this is like, you know, no duh, this was going to happen. We knew it. Christy Craddock was elevated to commi- to chair of the Railroad Commission. Right. So does the Christy Craddock-led Railroad Commission look different than the Barry Smitherman-led Railroad Commission? Um, right now, I, I don't have a sense that it necessarily does. I mean, she... The, the the one thing in um, that, that I always say about her, you know, she said that she definitely wants to look at um, pressing lawmakers for um, uh, maybe more funding to actually expand um, resources for the Railroad Commission as the boom, you know, continues to, to boom. Basically, uh, the, uh, the commission staff hasn't really um, gotten the resources to, to do what they need to do in terms of uh, approving more permits, that kind of thing, and like inspecting more wells. So that, that is something she's going to press for, which may, may be a little bit harder than Smitherman. Um, in terms of, you know, environmental regulations, that kind of thing, I, I don't have a, a, a good sense of whether things will change, but um, we'll, we'll be finding out soon, soon enough as, as we, we talk to her about some of her priorities. So. In the meantime, those rules are open for comment. People can go comment on them. Yes. And if they have comments oh, or questions that they want to send to Tribcast. Oh, <laughs> nice. Segment. If you, if you were sort of intrigued by Jim's daily life and you'd like to hang out with him, you can uh, – Check out my Facebook page. Yeah. <laughs> send your info to Tribcast at TexasTribune.org. Uh, we'd like to thank Shiny Ribs for doing our music. And on behalf of Emily, Jim, Evan, and our producer, Todd, this is Reeve. Thanks for listening. Texas And I was like, and I was like, oh my god! And Emily was like, Emily was like, yeah. I was not like, yes. That was a dead on. <laughs>